I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland, and every month I share a story. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time, the owner of a software company becomes very unsettled when he finds out that somebody very close to him is trying to read his thoughts. Alright, let's get to work. Rabbit Eyes When Simon returned to his hometown after 17 years away, the first place he visited was the meadow. He went there after his parents divorced when he was 10, standing in the middle of nothing while thinking about everything. He went there after his first girlfriend, Amber Peterson, broke up with him in high school, back when the cruel hand of heartbreak seemed like it would never ease its grip on all he knew and hoped for. He went there when his twin sister, Simone, died of leukemia, cursing the dark clouds of early winter that came and covered his world in silence. He was back where he belonged. Seventeen years. The wind in clouds and patchwork of leaves looked, smelled, and felt exactly as he remembered. He left home after high school with no idea what he'd become. He returned as the owner of a successful software firm. But none of that mattered as he stood in the meadow. That's because Simon saw a rabbit. He didn't like rabbits. There was just something creepy about them. Something in their eyes that wasn't right. Something in their hollow gaze that chilled him to his core. The rabbit did nothing. That was the problem. It didn't chew on grass. It didn't move when he walked toward it. It just sat there in the middle of the open meadow, doing nothing. The rabbit knew Simon better than he knew himself. How it knew things, Simon didn't know, but he was sure of it. It could read his mind. Simon woke up sweating. Cheryl lay on her side of the bed near Simon. Her body was a crescent moon, glowing blue in the window light, showing off every curve. Her hair was a twisted galaxy splayed across a soft down pillow. Simon was an astronaut lost in the vacuum of space, the celestial body next to him, his only salvation. And then it happened. In the dark, he could make out the little pink cartoon bunny on Cheryl's tight t-shirt. Below the bunny was a slogan. It's all about me. Deal with it. Rabbit or not, he needed to be near somebody. The sheets between Cheryl and him were a cold ocean of 1,200 thread-count Egyptian cotton. He sailed across the expanse like an early explorer and curled up against Cheryl's warm body. Hmm? Feeling Simon against her side woke her. Cheryl rolled over to face him, and when she did, blonde curls fell into her face. Simon loved that. He pushed them away, tucking them back behind her ear, saving her the effort. You had a bad dream. It wasn't a question. The pink bunny looked up from her tight t-shirt. Yeah, he said. Cheryl wrapped her arms around Simon, pulling him closer. The cool sheets gave way to her warm body. She kissed his nose and said, Poor baby. That's when it dawned on him. She had eyes just like the rabbit in the meadow.
The next time Simon woke up, it was to the sounds and smells of breakfast cooking. He made his way downstairs, running his hand along the old wooden banister on his way down. He never got used to it. He was the kid who left his hometown not knowing what he wanted, and ended up owning a successful company in a state he never thought he'd even visit, let alone call home. A two-story house in a wealthy Dallas suburb was a far cry from the two-bedroom house in New Hampshire where he grew up. Morning, sleepyhead, Cheryl said. Simon couldn't get used to the old banister, and he definitely couldn't get used to how chirpy Cheryl was in the morning. Here's your one cup of coffee. He always wanted to tell her to let him ease into the day, but he knew he was lucky to be with somebody so full of life. So he sucked it up and admired her cute undies and all her curves. There was nothing cute about the Happy Bunny t-shirt, though. Take your vitamins, she said. She pointed to a spot at the table. I know you say these things are good for me, he said, but I'm still always tired. That's just what happens when all you do is work and don't relax. I relax. No, you don't. Well, I try. No, you don't. She brought him a plate of French toast, pirouetting on the balls of her feet as she came to the table. He loved the way her abdomen moved, the muscles rolling and waving with each step in turn. He smelled Cheryl's hair in the air. It drove him wild. He closed his eyes, but not to savor the moment. He was really trying not to look at the happy rabbit on her t-shirt. Vitamins, she said. Simon grabbed the capsules and washed them down with orange juice. He chased the orange juice with the one cup of coffee he was allowed each day. Another pirouette brought Cheryl back to the table with her own plate. She plopped down in her chair and smothered her French toast with syrup. Are you going to tell me about your dream? There's not much to tell. I sleep on the far side of the bed because you toss and turn, Simon. We should be closer. If you weren't always working and exercised with me now and then, you'd get a better night's sleep. I have to work to keep all this. He held out his arms, gesturing at the chef's kitchen and everything beyond. This house owns you, Cheryl said. He had a bad dream about home. It wasn't a question. Simon looked at the rabbit on her shirt and said, Yes. You can tell me anything, you know. I know. She pushed a large forkful of French toast through a puddle of syrup and took a bite, somehow not dribbling as she brought it up to her mouth and chewed. She realized he was staring at her chest. Cheryl pushed her breasts together and then pointed at her face. I'm up here, you know. I know. I wasn't looking at your boobs. Seriously. I was looking at the rabbit on your shirt. There's just something unsettling about it to me. It bothers you? Yes. I don't know why, but it does. She pulled off her t-shirt and tossed it on the counter. Her breasts jiggled just enough to remind the world that they were real, but not so much to show any loss of firmness in Cheryl's 37 years. She took another bite of French toast. This time, a drop of syrup fell on her nipple. You want to get that for me, champ? Simon found the vitamins hidden behind the cleaning supplies beneath the kitchen sink. He never used the kitchen, Cheryl did, and he sure as hell never cleaned. Cheryl didn't have to clean either. They had people for that. Simon was looking for a flashlight. He knew there was one in the garage, but the house was big and the kitchen was closer. 
He remembered a late spring storm that knocked out the power one night. He remembered where Cheryl stashed a flashlight. He remembered the glowing Cyclops eye floating in the darkness, rifling through the kitchen drawers like a partner in crime with Cheryl, looking for a lighter and candles. Flashlights ruined the mood, she told him. It seemed that every drawer and cabinet in the house hid candles, scented fugitives that burned Simon's eyes. What the fuck? Simon said when he discovered the bottle of vitamins. Who kept vitamins beneath the kitchen sink? Was Cheryl slowly poisoning him? The label on the bottle was colored in earthly shades somewhere between green and brown, the kind of designer color people use to paint their bedrooms. It was a color that said environmentally hip. It was the color of the soup Simon threw up during a bout with a vicious stomach bug when he was eight. A Chinese character that could have meant arsenic for all that Simon knew was prominently featured on the bottle. Trendy colors and ancient lettering meant a hefty price. People like paying for the pleasure of feeling like they were connected to old times and making a difference somehow. Below the Chinese character, in English, hippocampus root. Simon turned the bottle in his hand, looking at the back. Manufactured by the Allsage Corporation. Recommended serving size. One tablet daily. Why did Cheryl always give him two? He found the other bottle hidden beneath Cheryl's underwear in the top drawer of her vanity. He normally respected other people's privacy, but figured if someone was trying to steal his thoughts, real or not, he had the right to snoop around. The bottle in Cheryl's drawer had a brighter label than the one on the bottle beneath the sink, but there was no mistaking that the two bottles were meant to work together. Simon entered the vitamin shop. I want something that looks like these, he said, and these other ones. Do you know what these vitamins are, sir? Nope, no idea, Simon told the vitamin shop woman. I don't particularly care either. I just need something that looks like them. He counted the vitamins in the jar beneath the kitchen sink and replaced them with an equal amount of vitamins he bought at the store. Same thing upstairs with Cheryl's vitamins. Just to be safe. Two weeks later at breakfast, Cheryl said, What are you thinking about? It was an actual question. The direct statements that left him feeling unsettled tapered off about a week after replacing the vitamins in Cheryl's drawer. Two weeks later, the statements disappeared completely. What am I thinking about? All kinds of things, he said. My head's been swimming with thoughts lately. Simon wasn't lying. He had focus he never had before. He woke up well-rested. After his morning vitamins, the energy came. He was a thousand and one horses on a wind-blown prairie like something out of a car commercial. He even gave up coffee. Now it was Cheryl who dragged her way through breakfast. She woke up and fell right back to sleep until Simon pulled the blankets from her body and opened the curtains, flooding the bedroom with sunshine. She became even more tired after her morning vitamins. She was a half-buried rock on a prairie watching horses race by. Not even coffee helped. Simon bolted upright from the table, the backs of his legs sending the chair back across the floor. You know what we should do? What? Cheryl looked defeated. We should go for a walk, maybe even a run. Exercise! Simon, you've become far too chirpy in the mornings. You know that? 
Shortly before the vitamins were about to run out and Cheryl would be the one buying more, Simon said, You know something? You're right. They were eating dinner. Huh? Cheryl could barely keep her eyes open. You're right about this house. What about it? It owns me. Cheryl put her head on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna sell everything. Exhausted or not, this got Cheryl's attention. What? The house. The company. I'm gonna sell it all. Adrenaline did more for Cheryl than caffeine or any vitamin. All this? She held out her arms, gesturing wildly at the chef's kitchen and everything beyond. Why? Why would you sell it? Because you were right, Cheryl. It's like you could read my mind. Simon returned to his hometown after 17 years away. The first place he visited was the meadow. The wind and clouds and patchwork of leaves looked, smelled, and felt exactly as Simon remembered. He'd left home after high school with no idea what he'd become. He returned the owner of the Sunshine Vitamin Corporation. He bought the company in the small house he grew up in after leaving Cheryl and selling his life down in Dallas. Looks like somebody took a Louisville slugger to those clouds, huh? Amber Peterson. I heard you were back, she said. Yeah, Simon said, looking up at Amber. She looked better than she did in high school. Back for good? Uh-huh. Cool. What about you, he said. What are you doing these days? I teach kickboxing. Like aerobic kickboxing? Nah, the real stuff. She moved her head on an angle and pointed to her nose. It was just a little askew. It drove Simon wild. That's cool. They stared at each other for a moment, neither one able to read the other's thoughts. Do you like yoga and reiki and all that natural stuff, Simon said. No, not really. Why, do you? Not one bit. And then Simon went quiet, creating an awkward silence just like he did in high school right before he asked Amber out. And just like in high school, it was Amber who broke the silence. Well, we could stand out here in the cold and talk, or we could talk over coffee in town. I don't drink coffee anymore. Alright, how about you watch me drink a cup of coffee then? You can get whatever it is you drink these days. I'd like that. They walked through the big meadow in silence. It was nice not having anybody ask him what he was thinking. Simon didn't care or wonder about what Amber was thinking. They just walked toward the trees, two heads full of nothing. Then Amber said, That's creepy. What? That rabbit. There was a rabbit in the meadow. The whole thing felt like a dream. Simon was asleep. He had to be. Look at it, Amber said. It's doing nothing. It's not chewing on grass and it's not moving. It's just sitting there in the middle of an open meadow, doing nothing. Is this a dream? She brought a foot up to the side of his head, snapping it at the last moment. It didn't hurt, but there was enough force to bring him to his senses. Did that feel like a dream? No. He looked at the rabbit. Are you okay, Amber said? Yeah, why? You kinda zoned out there for a sec. I'm sorry, it's just weird being back here. 
Amber smiled and said, Well, I'm glad you are. Back, that is. Now let's go get a cup of coffee and whatever you drink in the mornings. Simon wanted to keep the moment alive, but he didn't want to linger and make things awkward. He smiled back at Amber, happy to see her eyes were nothing like a rabbit's, and then walked on. A big thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. Theme music by Ergo Fizmiz, and all other music for this episode is by Chad Crouch, aka Poddington Bear, released under a Creative Commons license. Not About Lumberjacks is also released under a Creative Commons license. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and the music. If you want to help out with the show, share it with people you think would like it, or leave a rating or review on iTunes. Next month on Not About Lumberjacks, Daniel, recently divorced and laid off, figures he has nothing to lose by breaking into his childhood home to see if something he remembered was once in his old bedroom closet is still there. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.